Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T, and I'm back. So we had a jam-packed last couple weeks. Over the past few weeks, there was quite a few shows going on here in Las Vegas. Uh, two weekends ago, there was the Auto Fest here, which was a big car show at Red Rock Country Club put on by uh, our good friend, uh, William Feshering. Uh, did a great job with that show. There was three separate fairways. One had exotics, one had hot rods and miscellaneous stuff, and one was just Volkswagen. So guess which one we liked the best. Uh, a lot of people really enjoyed the VW setup, so if you guys get an opportunity to come out to the show next year, absolutely make sure you come out to the show. That following weekend after that was a show, uh, the Cleaning Elite, that took place at the Meadows Mall, so a lot of people came in from Southern California for that event, so got to hang out with some of my buddies uh, from my friends I've met on Instagram, but that I've met at the few shows over the past little bit, so uh, my boy The Critter and also Lion Notch, those are their Instagram names, give them a follow, those are, those are some uh, pretty cool dudes to hang out with. A couple type three guys. I'm not really sure, but I think I was inducted to the type three army, but I got to meet the five star general and a sergeant at arms. So it was pretty legit deal. Um, other than that, there was also Barrett Jackson last weekend. So if you're type three aficionados, uh, you got to see the type three Gia with 60 some odd thousand original miles go through the block. And let's talk does brought it to you live and direct from the auction block right there we were there followed it the whole way through it took a little longer than i'd anticipated but what are you gonna do you can watch it on facebook on our facebook page also um coming up in the next couple weeks oh back to the type 34 gear there's actually some still some some stuff still going on with that car so once the details and whatnot get hammered out we're trying to see what we can do our boy uh tim seward's working on trying to land that beast so hopefully he makes some headway that car gets in the hands of a type 34 collector a type three appreciator uh, that's all we can hope for the future of that car uh, next weekend you can catch us down at octo so look for let's talk dubs crew at octo come see me i'll slap you up with a free sticker uh, support support the crew you can always buy a t-shirt as well so we'll be out there with some t-shirts and whatnot um, come see us hopefully fingers crossed my uh, crew cab will be out there the carbon cap you guys will get to see the beast and uh, she'll be on the road so adam wick if you're listening uh, let's make it happen. So appreciate that. After Octo, that uh, following Sunday, there's going to be Murphy's VW Speed Shop's going to have their second annual Volkswagen Skateboarding Punk Rock Fest. So I heard it was a pretty legit deal. I wasn't there last year. That week, this next weekend, I'll be in Southern California. So I may come check it out. Uh, other than that, if you guys want to check it out, come see us there. Uh, you have to look us up. We'll be wearing some Let's Talk Dubs gear, but you guys will be able to track us down and support the podcast by buying some gear and supporting your friends here at the greatest VW air-cooled podcast that is on the air. On today's podcast, I got Bob Daniels. He's the guy responsible for putting on the 80s VW collection over there at Prado, so back to the 80s VW setup. So we get into how he put that on, what it took to make that happen, and also talk about his cars and the East Coast VW scene from his perspective. So good podcast today. Check it out. Listen to the end. I get some shout-outs to some of my supporters that have bought some merch and have left us reviews on Apple iTunes. So don't forget, go on Apple iTunes, leave a review, five-star review for Let's Talk Dubs. You get a shout-out on the podcast. So hear the shout-outs at the end. For now, let's talk to Bob Daniels. Later. Okay.
Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk to Bob Daniels. Bob Daniels, you might remember, put on the 80s are back at Prado this last year, which was a pretty huge success. There were some pretty cool cars that came out. And I talked to Bob when I was there. Really appreciated the fact of what he got set up and the cars that he brought in. So we brought him on the podcast to talk a little bit about the 80s, the motivation behind that, and also some of his VW history. So, uh, Bob, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Thanks for having me. So, Bob, this you and I first met at the Prado show when you were at the 80s display booth. And the 80s display booth was a pretty big hit. A lot of people liked it. Huge buzz about it. Um, my first question to you is, what got you motivated to get the 80s are back uh, set up there at Prado? Well, it's been, a, it's been an idea of mine for a few years, even before Prado even existed. Because of the car I own, which I guess we'll probably get into that in a minute, but because of the car I own that was built in the 80s that I purchased in California 20-some-odd years ago, I've always wanted to bring it back to California, but I needed a reason to do so. So I always had this idea that if we could do like an 80s section, much like the 80s were with these show cars or up on displays and the, the things that, you know, made me excited as a kid reading in magazines and stuff like that. So I always wanted to take it back out there. And then a couple things led to another, and I was like, okay, this is the year I'm going to do it. And you all had on your podcast uh, Aaron Kean, and once I found out that my car and Aaron's car were built back-to-back, it kind of the the whole idea kind of snowballed. Like, okay, now I got multiple reasons to take my car back out there. So then I put on the '80s display with the help of Alex Arredondo and the Fords. You know, they they couldn't have been more helpful in getting this done because, as you know, I'm nearly three thousand miles away from Prado. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and what was amazing to me were some of the guys. You know, I talked to uh, I think it's Bob Mazzotti who had the dune buggy out there. Right, and, and he's been out of the VW scene for quite a while, and so you know you had to reach out to quite a few people to get you know I think there were like uh, ten cars there, and I mean these were all pretty. Inf- oh no, there were more than ten. We had almost thirty. Oh, from the you know, but the on the main display the cars that like magazine feature cars that were out there there were quite a few cars. Correct. There, yeah, there were. Yeah, okay, you're you're right on that. Then. But there were like thirty eighties cars there in that group towards the end of the day. Oh, yeah. But go ahead. No, totally. And so what went into locating all these guys and trying to see, and, and how did you find out who still had their cars? Well, you know, that process has actually sort of been an ongoing thing. About, I don't know, five years ago, four years ago, again, because of my, you know, love for this 80s era, you know, stuff, I started a Facebook page you know, that was the custom VWs, the golden years. That's right. what I called it. Um, and it was a page. It wasn't a group. In hindsight, I should have made it a group. I actually have a group now. But it, but through that page, I just started scanning stuff out of magazines or things I would find on the Internet. And I'd just pop them up there. And the conversation would start below each, you know, every time I post something up, their conversation would start. So just that, you know, here and there, I kind of randomly pick up a magazine and I just the person's name on Facebook. Right. And that's how I located Bob. And 
I shot him a message. He said, oh, yeah, I actually still have that car. And I was just blown away. And then that's how he and I became friends. We were on friends with Facebook, and we would chat here and there long, long before this whole 80s thing came out. Right. And much like and much like Aaron, same deal. I was the one who got him to get that car back out. You know, I put a little pressure on like, Come on, you got to bring that car out, you know? Yeah. Because I, I also own a dune buggy, so that dune buggy. And the ironic part about that dune buggy is back in, like, 1990, we went on a family vacation to California, and it just happened to be the the t- same time and weekend as the VW Jamboree. And I have pictures of his dune buggy when I was out there in 1990 as a kid, you know, oh, wow. with my family. <laughs> sure. No, that's too cool. So, um, same thing with Gary Madrid. Gary Madrid, the blue car with the graphics down the bottom, if you recall. Yeah. Um, I had known that that car existed because I'm friends with Dave Pippley. And Pip told me that, oh, yeah, that car exists. And so I just located him. And, you know, it's just it just kind of snowballed. I, over, the, over the years, I just started meeting these people through social media. And so I reached out to all of them again. With all these cars there, there, there was one car that uh, that was there, which was Top Gun. Now, that, now, Top Gun was a pretty controversial car, um, even the whole disappearance and all that stuff of it. Were, did you know that Top Gun was going to be there? I did. I knew it was going to be there. Um, it it initially was going to be there. Um, I was I was told by I'm sure you know who Randy Carlson is. Yes. Old Randy contacted me and told me to save him a spot, but he couldn't let me know who the, what car he was bringing. And then through process of elimination, I said to him, "I was like, you're bringing Top Gun, aren't you?" Well, he said, "Don't say anything yet because." It's still in the worst because he's friends with the owner of the car. Yeah. And then I guess one thing led to another. I guess it was the, the torch was went from Randy and then Kevin got Kevin's a bar, cool rides down. I believe he's down in where where's he? He's in San, San Diego. Yeah. So he's also friends with the owner of the car. And I think it just kinda of went from Randy's hands to Kevin's hands because Kevin was able to pick it up on a trailer. They were gonna get they were gonna detail it and all that stuff. So Yes, I did know that car was coming, but I was asked kind of thought just in case something fell through. Yeah, that was uh, I mean that that that's quite a unique car with really an interesting story behind it in regards to the raffle and then the disappearance or the theft of the car and all that. And that's probably there's probably enough stuff there to go through an entire podcast just on that car by itself. Absolutely. Um, and, and hopefully yeah. I'll, I'll track down the owner and do that with him. Now, on, on the cars that are that were set up on display, you had Bob out there. You had um, Top Gun. Now, you had your car. Now, your car, um, tell everybody about your car that you had out there. Your car was the, it's a blue-green te- teal with uh, scallops yeah, on teal, it? A teal with scallops on it. Um, okay, so the story with that car was I bought it way before the internet, you know, early stage of the internet. I bought it late in, in fall of 1996. And my my buddy out here had a friend who worked at West Coast Metric, and they were buying rust-free California cars and shipping them across to the East Coast, and we would sell them more for more here because rust-free cars are not easy to find out here. Right. So 
I've had this California connection because, again, 1996, there was an Internet, but it wasn't really – you setting pictures back and forth across the Internet just didn't really exist. That, that was really expensive. <laughs> so I found this car listed on autotrader.com. Yeah. I called the guy. I, called the guy, he, I spoke with him, and I said, can, I do, can you do me a favor? I said, I'm going to mail you a disposable camera. I said, can you take pictures and mail me the camera back? So that's how I got pictures of that car in California. Once I saw pictures, um, this guy, Rico, who worked at West Coast Metric, he then went, looked at the car, looked it over, picked it up, bought it, and then shipped it across the country. Back then, you could ship across, across the country for $500, believe it or not. That's what it cost me Wow. to ship that. Um, so we shipped it across the country, and... I knew who I bought it from, this guy, Bob Smolin, and, you know, but never, I reached out to the guy on Facebook many times, and he's never replied to anything. And then last winter, last fall, right around now, last year, uh-huh. a random page post came up on Facebook, and it was the last name of Smolin, and I clicked on his name, and it turns out it was the brother of the guy I bought the car from. Oh, really? So... His name's Sean. I reached out to Sean, and he and I said, "Hey, I was like, are you related to Bob?" And he says, "Oh yeah, I know exactly who you are. I know all, you know, I know your car. I've been following the history of it, the magazines, and this, that, and the other thing." And I said, "Oh, I was like, well, I have a question. I was like, your brother told me such and such." And Sean says, "Is that what my brother told you?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "That's not the story of your car." Sean proceeds to tell me this whole story that I never heard before. Yeah. And that's when he said, your car was painted right after this guy, Aaron. He says, you might know him. He's from the Hot Rod Road. Turns out it's Aaron Kean. He said, I don't know the name of the shop who painted it. He says, but if you know Aaron, reach out to him. He could probably point you in the direction. Oh, wow. And so that's what led me to Aaron. Aaron gave me the name of the painter, Scott Gildner. I Googled Scott Gildner, and a phone number popped up on some Porsche forum. And I sent a random text in the middle of the night to Scott Gildner, the painter. And I said, are you Scott? And he replied, yeah, who's this? And I said, you don't know me. I was like, but does this car ring a bell? And he was like, oh, my gosh. And so he confirmed that story. And he confirmed it. He says, yes. And what I come to find out is and what he thinks he remembers is that was his girlfriend's car after he painted Aaron's car. They decided to sell his girlfriend's car, and because he liked the scallops so much, he did a couple of body mods, threw the scallops on my car, and off it went, and ultimately ended up in the hands of those small ones who I bought it from. Right. And he confirmed it was painted after Aaron's, and I thought, wow, this is really cool. Like, what are the chances? You know, 80 survivor cars obviously are not that, you know, they're not that hard to come by. I mean, I got 20 of them at Prado. Right. But to have two cars painted back to back, separated by the entire country, and both in relatively show condition after all that time, I thought there's got to be a re- we got to get these cars back together. Oh yeah. And so Aaron agreed. Pull, Aaron agreed to pull his car out of the storage and get it off roadworthy. I agreed to my car across the country, and the rest is history. Nice. So, so the car that you have, so that's a 1960, the, the 80s car you have is a 60, 65, 66? 63. Oh, it's a 63? 
Yeah, the 63. Um, it's a factory rag top. We uh, don't know who, because someone added semaphores into it at some point. Um, right. Even Scott doesn't remember adding them or whether they were in there when he got it, but someone added semaphores to it. And and he said that I showed him pictures of what it looked like when I got it. And he said that he would have never put that interior in it. So somewhere after he sold it, the night getting it, someone put a different interior in it. And since then, has been completely changed. The interior you saw at the show and what most people see now in the magazines and such was all my doing when I redid the car a few years back. But again, that paint, that paint is from 1987. Nothing's been touched and buffed, and that's it. Yeah, that uh, the paint job looks stunning on that car. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Now, was that car featured in one of the one of the magazines? Well, it's featured in VW Trends back in the day. Right after I got it, they once it got to once it got to East Coast, uh-huh. VW Trends shot it for VW Trends. Then it was nothing, and then in 2015. I basically took the car apart and redid everything but the paint. New interior, new motor, new trans. I put the, I put the alloys on it and it was almost like the car was reborn because it, it then went into hot VWs that year and so did it, it also went into, um, Air Mighty that year. And Air Mighty. And the VW, what, what year was it in VW yeah. Trends? It was in VW Trends in 2002, I believe. It was shot in 1999, but they didn't get it into the magazine until 2002. And then you blew the car apart in in 14 or 15 and redid the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, 2015, I, you know, it, it got a makeover. It, you know, sure. It, you know, I put a narrow beam in, and I put, you know, I put, you know, it was just, it was just, I was trying to make a car that, when you looked at it. Did this car built in the 80s, or did someone just do this now? Right. And that's what I try to do. Try to let, make it less dated. And then... Um, but still in that 80s feel. Yeah, no, and it definitely pulled it off. I mean, my, my personal opinion, I think the two liters, leaving the two liters on it would have definitely made it look 80s because that's what everybody was doing was going four lug bolt pattern and doing the, and, and doing the uh, two liters. But uh, the, the alloys look good on it as well. Um, and so... You also have, I mean, so our listeners might know if they subscribe to Volksworld to get an issue of Volksworld. You're out. You're also your other car. Your '56 is on the cover of the October issue of Volksworld, right? Right. And what what's the story on the '56? The '56. So, I bought the the Scallop car. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love the scalp car. For many years, I loved the scalp car. But what happened was when that's when I bought the scalp car, it was it was cool. But then the 2000s started to come, and it started to turn into this dated car. It was like, oh boy, there's that scalp car, you know, and it just started to look dated. Sure. And during that time, I'm like, okay, if I hit a deer or whatever, I'm gonna take this car and I'm gonna build what I want. And I started building a car in my mind for years upon years and waiting for something to happen to the 63 and nothing ever happened to the 63. I started making that car better and I almost rode the storm out of the datedness and now everything old is new again. I mean, everybody's all into this 80s thing. So it's, sure. it, 
So I just decided there's just, you know, as like many of these VW people, I just going to have to have two. Right. So, so I, I knew I had to have an oval. I knew it had to be a rag top. I would have preferred a Euro model, but hey, beggars can't be choosy. So I, I found that 56 down in North Carolina and it had already had, it had already been painted, but other than that, it, um, well, I shouldn't say painted, it already had the bodywork done to it. But other than that, it needed a complete overhaul restoration. So I drug the 56 back here and I built the 56 and that's what I have wanted for the past 20 years. It's just been an ongoing process in my head about what to build. Yeah, no, it's a, and, it's a beautiful yeah. car. I mean, it's uh, and that car's that car's been featured in Volksworld. Has it been featured for any other magazines yet? It was shot for Hot VWs. Um, Alex Aradon was out here on vacation and hung out with me for a weekend, and he shot it. But it hasn't gotten into um, Hot VWs yet. Um, it was in Air Mighty. And so this car, and, you brought it back from North Carolina, and so. All the rust work and all that stuff's already been done. The rust work was done. It needed painted. But that, that's, I mean, that's the extent of where it ended. Like, it, everything else in that car had to be completely redone. Sure. Like, it had alloys on it, but they weren't chromed. They weren't detailed. You know, the it had a motor in it that I took out and completely, basically threw away because it barely ran. Right. Um, I, you know, we built the two-liter for it. We built the transport. I mean, it was just a... It was just a, the, the bones was there. You know, the numbers matching body pan. I just, with, with real deal alloys, I, I just had to pull the trigger. There was just, you know, just, it's what I wanted. So on the East Coast out there, so you guys have a little bit of a, a and, I, and I'm not sure because obviously I don't live out there, but is it a little more challenging to do VW stuff on the East Coast or are there shops in your area that you guys can, call on to do a lot of this work well you because i've been doing it so long you know who you know who to call and know who if you put it if you're new if you're new to this game it's difficult it is difficult because there's not there's not a shop every 10 miles sure you know everything everything we need for the most part we got to order it you know um you know the heads on you know, the heads that are on my 63, they were done at Steve Tim's in California. Right. My heads, you know, it's my, you know, everything's done in California. It's the Mellow Machine Shop in California. If you need pistons, it's in California. It's, you know, so you have that problem, but, you know, fortunately, mail order has gotten a lot better over the past decade. Um, but I do have a, you know, my my engine guy is one of the best guys on the East Coast. Who does your, you know, been who, in the, who does your engines? His name's Kurt Mesger. His, uh, you know, yeah. the company. It says. I remember you know Kurt, Kurt? Mesger. Well, I, I remember him because he had one of the baddest covers of hot VWs, in my opinion, which had that 10 second full turbo fuel injected street bug. And uh, it, that was his funny, car, right? It's funny, it's funny you remember that because that's, uh, the, it's that, that's the, probably the fastest I've ever gone in a car is in that bug. Well, I'm telling you right um, now, that's one of my favorite all time covers. Because I love I love the photo shoot, and then I loved the interior spread when you opened it up, and you had a cop giving him a ticket. Like that was, that's one of my most memorable and one of my most favorite photo features, just because it was like ten second 
street bug was just unheard of back then. So, well, and, it, and that and that's what you know. I try. I always talk to these, 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 these you know, these people who are new to this game, and I'm like, you don't realize that like that was 20 years ago. Oh yeah, that was ridiculously it, fast it, it, for 20 years 20, ago. Almost almost 20 years ago, he's running 1006, which 1006 wasn't unheard of. I mean, the Schleys were pulling 10 second cars in the 70s. But he's running 146 miles an hour yeah, in a full-body car with a stereo and a full interior. I mean, that car legitimately passed Pennsylvania inspection. Maybe not legitimately, but it had an inspection sticker on it. Um, oh, yeah, that, I mean, know, but that's a and, big deal, man. And, and, and I'm telling you, I was, like, so impacted by the feature because I loved – because I was like, you know, wow, look, a f- super fast streetcar from the East Coast because – you know, on that side of the coast, you guys sometimes don't get the credit you're due for, you know, for some of the stuff you guys build out there because it seems like the world revolves around the Orange Curtain in Orange County, you know? Well, absolutely. And, you know, and, and that's why I, ha- you know, and that's why I'm lucky to have Kurt as one of my best friends. I mean, I've known Kurt since I was 16 years old. I'm 46 now, so do the math. I've known him forever. And, you know, it's just the, you know, we, we have our little community. Ironically, the, the the cop in that photograph in the, on the cover is our friend Jeff Thomas, who's now a retired. He's now retired, but he was the cop who you know who filled in on that um, on that cover. Well, but love- he's a VW. He's a VW. He's a VW guy too. I love um, yeah, so it's funny that. But yeah, Kirk's a good guy. He's he's built a lot of stuff and. You know, it's cool to go out to California and like drop his name. They're like, "Oh, how's Rick doing? How's he been?" You know, because uh, everybody knows about it. Yeah, no, he. I mean, listen, I, like I said, you know, I saw his car on the cover, and that the image of that car was just like I just thought. You know, I liked everything about it. I liked the fact that it was four lug. It broke all the rules, and I give him props for that because I like stuff that's completely different. You know, so right. Yeah, no, that's a, so. So he built the motor. He built the twenty-one, the twenty-one uh, seventy-five. That's in the in the fifty-six. Yes. Well, he built the motor in the. He built the motor in the oval, uh-huh. and he built the in the and he built the motor in the in in the in the in the sixty-three. And his shop, the, is, his shop's what vintage performance. Vintage performance. He's down in Clayton, Delaware, which is down near like you probably heard of Dover, Dover where like the you know racetrack is. Uh huh. You know, NASCAR track. Yep. Yeah. So he's he's down there in like Central Delaware. Um, but yeah, he uh, yeah he's he's built every every motor ever built. First, the only person that's ever built. Yeah. And I just I just trust that I just trust him, and he knows what he's doing. So why would I even bother trying to build a motor at this point? No, absolutely, man. The 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 proof the proof is in the pudding. So so he built both motors in both those cars. And uh, yeah, drop uh-huh. him a line. Let him know. We'll, we'll probably get him on the podcast because I want to get some more East Coast representation. Because you're out there doing things on the East Coast, bringing some, bringing some of that sunshine to the East Coast, getting you guys some recognition out there. Because a lot of times, other areas that are not Southern California maybe get um, don't get enough attention in most of the other media forums that, that are out there. Which is one of the reasons why I started the podcast because this VW scene's worldwide and. We're trying to get every you know every state and and area its due of who's making things happen you know and obviously with your with your back to the eighties um, meet that they had over there at Prado that was pretty huge and and I and I've been saying for a long time all my buddies have been busting my chops for the past five or six years as I've been collecting every set of Rossies that I see and wink mirrors and they're like 
Oh, that's so dumb. Why are you getting that? I'm like, you watch, buddy. 80s will be back. The 80s will be back. Just because, you know, I'm 47, so that's that's my time when I got into VWs, you know, when I'm looking at the, at the magazines and I was just, you know, that's what's seared in my mind of like a cool car and, and the look that I like, and that's what started it all with me. So how did you get – now, let's talk about you. How did you get into VWs and what's your VW story? Well, how much time we got now? Um, the uh, I guess it's this. I, I grew up. My dad took me to car shows. That was our bonding thing. We went to car shows all the time. We went to car shows, went to car shows, and I really became a hot rod guy. Like I wanted not even the hot rod. I wanted a street rod. I was the more refined. I like paint. I'm not a patina kind of guy. Sure. I like I like shiny paint. I like shiny wheels. I like things finished. And I just fell in love with street rods. But not only could a 16-year-old kid not afford a street rod, it also, it's just not really an everyday kind of car. Yeah. Um, and so over the course of time, I remember we were just driving around one day, and we went past the mall. And we came around the backside of the mall. I drive past the mall every week, same spot. And there was this late model like a lemon yellow bug, you know, like 68, 72, that era bug, uh-huh. just parked. The parents had bugs, you know, when I was, you know, real little. And they're like, boy, that would be a really nice first car for you. And I was like 12 years old. And I just was like, wow, I kind of like that car. It was like kind of the first bug that I really took notice to. Yeah. I remember the license plate said, no fat chicks on it. It's still text <laughs> in my mind. And about... Two or three weeks after that incident of seeing that car, I was at this store. I don't know exactly. It was called Clover. It's like a Kmart or a Target, but it was back in the 80s. It was called Clover. And they sold magazines by the by the register. And I flipped through, and I saw my very first VW trend. And I'm like, Mom, look, there's a whole magazine based on Volkswagen. I had never seen it. I was just blown away. And about two months later, I found my first hot VW. I had no idea these magazines even existed. Right. Those were the first two cars, and I started flipping through. And within, like, like the first two episode issues I got, there was going to be a car show at our <clears throat> drag strips called Junebug, which still takes place today. Yeah. And we went to the Junebug event, and it was all downhill. I'm like, okay, I'm a VW guy. Right. So... <clears throat> but we have a thing out here with the back back in the day they even gave awards for it at the one of the New Jersey shows. Thing called the quote unquote Jersey look. You know, you got the cow look, we had a Jersey look. Yeah. And the Jersey hard to describe, but like when you see it you know what it is. It's almost like the Mulholland look with the wide fenders and all that stuff. It's there's just a look to this jerk. And I don't know why. I guess, you know, twelve year old kid, that's what I loved. I like these wide fenders and I love that creative car class catalog. Yeah. And I, I was just, I started making a price list of what it's going to cost me to build one of these cars. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to build a VW the way I want. My dad was a car guy, but we had no car friends. My dad didn't own a classic car at the time. So it was no, I had no friends and I'm a 12, 14 year old kid. I didn't, I had no connections. So I was just like, I have to buy something. And we went to a car show. I had money. I had, I saved up some money. I was 14 years old. My dad said, 
if you save up fifteen hundred bucks, I'll lend you fifteen hundred dollars. You had three thousand dollars to spend. And I went to buy a Ford Falcon instead of a Volkswagen. And went the guy wouldn't the guy wouldn't come down a price and we went to a place called Carlisle, which is basically the Pomona of the Right. So we went to Carlisle with the checkbook in hand. My dad went into the use the restroom at this place and I pulled an auto trader out and flipped through about ten pages. And there was this Volkswagen in California or in New Jersey, basically exactly what I had drawn as a kid in school on right. my notebook. And I'm like, we're not buying anything until we see this car. So of course we drove to Jersey, you know, like the next day, saw the car, and that was the first car I bought. And in hindsight, hey, what can I do? But it was hot pink. It had the whale tail on the back. It had wide tires. It had checkerboard interior. I mean. It's as god awful as it gets, but hey, that was my first car, and yeah, full, that's how I got into the That's how I got into Fully committed to the jersey look that thing was. <laughs> it was. I have pictures of it. I'll send them to you one day on Facebook. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was a sight to see. But yeah. uh, but it was cool. But you know, it became my identity. I was you know I was the guy with that car, I and mean, everybody knew me because of that car. And not only that, because I had it for two years prior to that can even drive. You know, I had bought it when I was 14, and it, I'd pull it out of the driveway and detail it. I think I've watched that car, you know, a hundred times in two years. Yeah. No, that's, that's... So, yeah, that's how I got in the Volkswagen. And that car actually caught on fire about a year after I had it. Then I bought a 67 Cow Look. That was my daily driver for a couple of years. Yeah. And then I had like a one-year time period where I didn't have a Doom, uh, have, have a Volkswagen. And I, there was one magazine, there was one issue of VW Trend, there was a Doom buggy in it that I was just in love with. And I decided I wanted to build a Doom buggy. And I built a Doom buggy. And that was, that was the, that was the year before I bought the Scallop Bug. I built a Doom buggy. And I still have that Doom buggy today. So that was but like that car, 96, that was? Yeah, 90. Well, you know what it was? I built it in the, I started building in the fall of 95 and I finished in 96 because I remember at the time I was on unemployment and I'd go down to my grandma's garage and I'd work on the doom buggy in the fall and I'd come home early enough to watch the OJ trial. That's funny. That's funny. That's so, like... yes, yeah, so I built the doom buggy. But that was a, that's even a funny story because it's just funny how Facebook changes you know changed the world. Sure. That back then there was this Doom buggy in the magazine that I wanted. I was like, oh, this thing is awesome. This thing is awesome. So I just started using you know directory assistance. Remember five 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 one two one two. Oh yeah. And I tracked down the guy in Arizona who built this car, that Doom buggy, and I talked to him on the phone. I picked his brain. Blah blah blah. And his name was Doug Jerger, and, you know, I went on my merry way. Fast forward to about, you know, 15, 20 years after I built that car, I go on Facebook and I search up Doug Jerger, and I find him. I message him. He's like, oh, my God, I remember that phone call. How you been? Blah, blah. But yeah. now, like, we're friends. He, uh, Him and his father own, like, a fairly famous hot rod shop in Arizona called Sweet Customs. And this guy, I mean, here's another guy you got to talk to. He's built so many bugs back in the day that, like, you know, you just didn't know. Oh gosh, I didn't know Doug built that car. 
But he, yeah, he owns a hot rod shop in Arizona. But, you know, it's just cool how Facebook has made this world so small. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it makes it really really accessible to get to people, you know, to, to just drop them a note and just say, hey, are you interested or do you have this car still or whatever the case is. You know, it's, 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 it's a real helpful tool making the world that much smaller. With, look, without Facebook, I'll give credit or credit still. I reached out because of this cool thing they were doing. It was this quote-unquote 80s L.A. It was this group of guys who was like, you know, reliving the 80s L.A., and, you know, I'm sure you know Carlos Guzman from German yeah. folks. He, yeah. had, he had just finished building that bad temper car. And <clears throat> they were having some car show. So I reached out to these guys and I said, hey, you're, you know, not for nothing, but your flyer kind of sucks. I'm a graphic designer. If I design your flyer and I just put my little, you know, plan of graphics at the bottom and they're like, yeah, sure, design a flyer. That led to my friendship with... um Carlos, and most importantly, Alex Arredondo, who is one of my best friends. I mean, we talk routinely every week, text constantly. You know, he and I, I took my daughter out to California. We all went to, uh, you know, Disneyland together. But, you know, without that Facebook, I wouldn't know half these guys would know out in California. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, helps, it helps bring guys together that are into the same hobbies. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're like, you know, I, I would have never... I would have never have thought that, you know, I'd be going out to California one or two times a year all because of some silly little Facebook post. And now I got some of the best friends in the world out there. Oh, yeah. So do you make it a regular habit to come out to the Classic or come out to that Classic or Prado weekend? Oh, yeah. Well, I've been to Prado, I think, three times now. And I've been to the, well, I was at the Classic when it was a couple. I've been out there many times. I think, I think in the past five years, I've been out there eight times. Yeah, sometimes the so, hardest thing about going to those shows, it's the biggest bummer is when you come out there and you don't have your car. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And But I'll tell you, but you just you don't realize how good Southern California has it until you see it. Oh, yeah, the weather and uh, driving. Yeah, it's not the weather. I'm talking about it in terms of Volkswagen. Oh, yeah, you just, stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's just, it's, un, it, it's, un, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I went out last not last fall, the fall before, they have a they have a little Toys for Tots around it, Bozani Volkswagen. I don't know where California it is, but you know they it's just a basically a Toys for Tots run. Right. That show itself has better cars at it, a Toys for Tots run than any Volkswagen show out here. We have a lot of cars and a lot of enthusiasts, but it just just cannot match the the interest level that's out in California. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's that's the epicenter of all things VW. You know, so I mean, you, every famous shop is down there. But uh, luckily, because Vegas is so close, we've gotten a little bit of trickle off from there with some of the shops that have moved out here, or relocated. You know, so yeah, it's I, I, trust me, I know what you mean. Well, you know, I grew up in Vegas here, and and Vegas really always had a very thin VW scene, and uh, being able to go down. I mean, I remember my first classic I went to in. Uh, like 89 or 90, I went to the first VW Classic, and I was just like floored, man. I couldn't believe how many VWs were down there, you know. So, yeah, I share that uh, I share that sentiment quite a bit because Vegas over here, we've always been like, you know, a wannabe Southern California, and uh, it's, 
it's a huge commitment to drive your car all summer out here because it's you know 110 degrees outside and you got no air conditioning but if you're committed to the cause man that's what you're driving <laughs> so right and, and you know and for, and for me southern california it's not it's not always just about volkswagens i've i've come out and hung out with alex and stuff and you know i'll go to the grand national roadster show you know i would have never thought i'd be going to go to the grand national roadster show but you know, because like I said, you know, I have that hot rod love. I mean, I have a 32 Ford, you know, three window coupe street rod, you know. Yeah. So, you know, to, to go to these shows, is just, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's a super nice car. I've seen it. So you sent me some pictures of it earlier today. It's a super sharp hot rod, man. And 32 Fords are like your, the quintessential hot rod, you know. It the, is. The original. It really is. But, you know, and it's nice. <laughs> that car is nice just because, you know, you can turn the air conditioning on, you can turn the heat on, you know, 80, 80 miles an hour down the highway, and I can still make a phone call. Yeah, so that car, that car is turnkey. That thing's done deal, huh? Yeah, that's a done, that, yeah. That's, again, it's a street rod, not a hot rod. That's why, you know, it's got full leather interior. It's all, you know, it's all nice. And so your Volkswagens, you've, you've maintained ownership of Volkswagens. There's, there's no point when you were, like, out of VWs and didn't have one. You've always had one throughout most of your car there, there was that one year there was that one year in between my 67 Cowboy and my doom buggy that was the only year and then you know then so i had that doom buggy and then one year later is when i bought the bug there were two years of my life that i was completely bugged. yeah it's interesting we always you know i i've got a collection of cars that also is varied in different brands and whatnot but I always, you know, I always go back to VWs. Like my most enjoyable ones to drive are my Volkswagens, you know. So I think it maybe just has to do with the, uh, the, um, you know, the underdog aspect of cruising it. And then also you stand out, you know, you drive uh, a non-VW and they're not as recognizable or they don't have as have a connection with as many people as, you know, your typical street rod or hot rod. You know, it's a, it's a real diverse group of people that are into the VWs. Yeah, well, and, you know, I also think that it's, uh, I hang out with my father, who's, you know, in his 70s, and his friends, and, of course, that generation, it's muscle car, or street rod, and blah, 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 and you go to these local car shows, cruise nights, and that's really what it is. It's 69 Camaro, 55 Chevy, you know, all one after another after another, and you bring these Volkswagens out, and, you know, when you bring a Volkswagen out that's top-notch, you do start to get the attention. And I think, you know, you read Facebook, and I have this argument with people on Facebook all the time about, you know, they, they badmouth these quote-unquote rich folk buying these buses on Barrett-Jackson. And, you know, but it shows like Barrett-Jackson that, and shows like even, you know, Bitch and Rock with Dave Kindig. These guys are VW guys. I mean, Chip Coos's first car was a Volkswagen. And when you, when these guys of my parents, of my father's generation start to see these cars out in the forefront, I think they started in the past few years. And personally, I think it's because of the, the value of the buses has trickled down to every single other VW below it. I think they're starting to get more respect and rightfully so. Yeah. It's, you know, you know, I, I believe that it, it's a lot, a lot of it has to do with demographic and guys that are our age that were really affected by um, the the VW scene 
we're the guys that are adding the value to those cars because we're demographically in the age where we are, we're going to be earning the most money and have the most discretionary income. So our goal is to buy the cars we wanted when we were in high school and the cars that were cool and we couldn't even afford, you know? So Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And and I don't think that there's 70-year-old men going out there buying up these Volkswagens, but I'm just saying in terms of, you know, before you pull that, you pull a VW into a local car store and people would just walk on by. Now right. they're starting to get credit that they deserve in some aspects. Oh, yeah, um, without a doubt. No, I think that, uh, so, you know, we just, we, we just, we just had Barrett Jackson here um, about a couple days ago. And we're there, and there's a Type 34 Gia going through there, and it was I Facebook lived it to see what it was going to go for, and uh, it was it was interesting interesting to see how how much some of those things were going for, and a bunch of buses went through. But now that people have kind of dried up the bus market to an extent, as far as Barrett Jackson, they were selling a couple uh, a couple of Brazilian buses, and those went for like forty grand, and. You know, they were completely restored, but a restored Brazilian bus is, you know, a bus that needs still a lot of work. And they're real, a little different and pretty quirky. And, you know, it's just got a, it's got a different vibe. But, you know, double cabs, there's a double cab that sold there, uh, restored double cab, decent restoration on the thing, and it sold for 41 grand. So a lot of people, and, you know, a lot of people think that, they want to use the highest benchmark number and say that what these VWs are worth. And, and the challenge that I see with that is most of the enthusiasts are do-it-yourself kind of guys that buy them, build them, and, and put them back together. In the same respect, if you get into a different position in life and you can afford to buy the car you want, that also helps the hobby, you know, because those cars have got to go somewhere. And if there's no market for them, people, some people won't build them, you know. So it's, right. it's kind of both things need each other. You know, you need the guys that – uh, you need the guys that build them, and you need the guys that buy them. Because without the guys that buy them or pay to get them built, you're not getting any of them. So, uh, absolutely, I, I think it elevates the scene on all levels. You know, so some people get upset because of whatever decisions that they made that don't allow them to afford a VW of their choice, and they might want to, you know, be less than the kind of people that see a car, buy it, and realize for other constraints like time and opportunity to build it and room and space the way that they don't do that but listen the, the hobby needs both and i've been on both ends i've been on the end where uh you know i knew i needed I, I knew i wanted to build a car that i did not have the attention to detail to build and so i enlisted people that could do that because i knew i'm not the guy and so but because of that i was able to put out on the market one of the cars that was one of the one of the really nice type 34 gears and you know, without my opportunity to be able to do that, that's another car that would have gone unrestored. So, you know, it all it, right. it all depends. But uh, no, man, I, I appreciate what you've done with the uh, with the eighties, um, back to the eighties uh, car meet at Prado. What's next for back to the eighties? Do you have plans for more of those events? Well, back to the eighties is certainly on a hiatus. Um, the uh, the Fords have reached out to me. Um, and Alex to kind of help put on an event there. Well, not an event, but another area like that. But it's going to be completely unrelated. I think we're going to, uh, I think they asked me to, you know, to kind of help them with, they, they want to do a section this year, which again, completely unrelated. 
but they want to do a section of like the service vehicles, like your type two service vehicles, right. you know, like your, your ambulances and your ladder trucks and all that stuff. And we already have some connections for some people who want to do that, but that's the section they want to do this year. They asked me if I could help do it. And of course I'm going to help do it. Why not? Sure. So, um, I don't know. I thought about maybe doing this eighties thing again, you know, you know, maybe every, you know, make it a two year thing or something, but because it was a lot of fun. And I think because of, uh, because of the attention it got, I think I could pull it off. And I think maybe we could, with some proper planning, get some other cars that just weren't, um, you know, that I couldn't get there. Yeah, like there were some cars that really wanted to get there, but the guys were just like, Oh, you know what? I can't, I just really don't want to pull that out. Um, couple cars that I tried to get, I tried and tried and tried, was, if you're familiar with um, Bill Schwimmer, he built that car, Pepto, back uh-huh. in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. So they built that recre- they, they, they built that recreation car. I believe his name was Russell Ritchie over in, the, uh, in Scotland. He built that recreation car. Right. And I tried my best to get that car there. car is in Southern California, but we couldn't get it there. Really? Um, I... Um, are you familiar with who Ryan Reed is? I am very familiar. Yeah. Okay. So the, the funny thing is, I have a car. I have a folder saved in my uh, in my on my computer called my dream bug. And my dream bug, I modeled my oval after. He built a car. It was a it was very similar to my my oval. But he also owns like a pink, like salmon color car. Um, it was a cover car on Hot BWs. I reached out to him, but he said I just he just didn't have the time to pull the car out. So I would have loved to have had that car there. And then the other car that I know is sitting in his garage, and his answer to me was, I just have no interest in doing a show anymore, was Paige Proctor's Squareback. Really? Now, if, if for those not listening, just Google Paige Proctor's Squareback, Squareback, and you'll know the car. I mean... It's truly an icon of the era, and he still owns it. It's sitting in his garage under a cover, and his answer was, I just, so I would have loved to have put a little bit more pressure on him to get it there, um, but I just couldn't, I he just couldn't do it. And then um, I reached out to, oh, I forget his name, I'll think of it in a second, but he had a car called Shockwave. Again, it was a, a squareback type of car, it was a, Kind of cut like a roadster was blue with these crazy graphics. Um, he is neighbors. He can, he doesn't have that car anymore, but he's neighbors with the guy who owns the Rod Buster. Oh yeah, uh, that, You're that crazy about... that, that crazy Gia. Yeah, um, I've, been, I've been trying to get um, I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a little bit. It's been a little bit of work to get him to get him on the uh, the podcast because. So, yeah. I'm trying. So the guy who I talked to, I'm not going to interrupt you, George Delfino. George Delfino built this car back in the 80s called Shockwave. Yes. He's neighbors with the Addington. Yeah, Chris Addington. And he told me that he was going to stop by their house because he told me, he says, oh, I'll tell them to bring that car to the show. But he, I guess he never did. But, man, I would have loved to have gotten that car there. So, you know, if, you know, if I did it again, I'd try to put a little bit more effort. Maybe not do so many cars, but if I could get some really big iconic cars that are still 
tucked away, you know, like Top Gun. Top Gun was the icing on the cake. I think, um, I think it was truly unique to have my car and Aaron's car sitting there, you know, again, because it's Oh yeah. One survivor two's amazing. You know, so but to have uh but to have top on there was just icing on the cake. I loved it. Yeah, some of those iconic cars, it's nice to go back and look at those cars like especially for some of us when we were younger, we didn't make it to any of those shows or autoramas or the, the, the events of those cars were at, so we never got to see them in person and you only get to really see you know, the images that are online, but getting to see them, I mean, I had a whole new appreciation for Top Gun when I saw it in person because there was so much work done to that car. It was just crazy. I mean, it's like one of those things I didn't understand how you drove it with the engine inside the engine inside the bug, but still, it was just, it was nuts to see the amount of work that went in that. And that's when, that was a different era of show cars. It was all show and not that much go. It was just built to be outrageous, you know? Kevin, Kevin told me, and I, that car, according to the speedometer, has only 0.8 miles on it. Oh, yeah, I believe it. 0.8. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and back to the 80s thing, you know, the other thing that, you know, I'll toot my own horn because, again, because of my that, that Facebook page, I think it was kind of cool that we got, I, I got or she agreed to come as Heather Kennedy. Oh, yeah, that was epic. Seeing Heather Kennedy out there, yep. man, like the girl of everybody, every teenage boy's dream was out there in, in person. Boy, I know. Well, you know, I was, you know, but again, fast forward two years from now, it would be cool to have her and also if I could get Shannon Ray to come out. Yeah. Because Shannon's in California. She's still uh, active. She's a, a country singer. Um, but I, I reached out to her, but she didn't say anything, but it didn't really press. Heather, I reached out to her. She gave me a phone call. She was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. She goes, I got my start, you know, she says, I got my start modeling, uh, doing the bikini contest when I was in high school. She says, I went to all the mini truck shows and the Volkswagen shows. And she said, so to come back to this full circle, because what I don't even know if you know, but we did get my car and Aaron's car together and did a photo shoot for Hot BWs with Tyler Kennedy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of these days, it'll it'll you know hopefully it'll be in the magazine. No, but it's, yeah, it, saw a few pictures of that online. That it looks like it's going to be a pretty devastating photo shoot. It, it's, it's it's pretty cool, and you know I, Aaron, dug through his boxes and pulled out some pretty old school photos that I I gave to Hot BWs to hopefully they include them in part of the story because we have photographs of Aaron's car with Heather Kennedy back in 1988. Oh, like behind-the-scenes so photo shoot pictures? 30 years later, here she is standing with the exact same car, you know, 30 years later. Oh, that's so cool. And, you know, and, and it's just it's just good to see all that stuff that's reminiscent of the of days gone by when we were, you know, getting in the scene because it you still see those cars and they still charge you up to, to see. You know, it was, it was a simpler time. People didn't get too custom with their drivers. It was more about custom paint and and giving the car the look and the stance, but the interiors were pretty functional because most of these cars, they weren't full-blown show. They were drivers for people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what Aaron had told me. He knew Paige Proctor back in the day, and he said the crazy part about that car was he would come, he'd set up this full display, and then... He'd show the car, he'd tear that display down, 
put it in the car and then drive that that car home. And yeah. you know, you would think, wow, like what, that that car was like sitting on mirrors at the car show. It just just blows your mind that that's there. That was his daily driver. Yeah, it's the, the, that's the way they did it back in the day. I mean, with some of those guys, they didn't have they didn't have all the stuff. You know, some people didn't have the full blown. Uh, you know the the, the full blown setup and rigs to run that stuff. So it's good to uh, it's good to see those out there. Hopefully, we'll get some more cars out there next time. I know there's a lot of still a lot of iconic '80s and '90s cars that are out there. I know that uh, a few years ago at the classic, one of the uh, the red chopped bug red chopped ragtop that had the red BRMs on it that was in the '89 issue of Hot VW's uh, special edition magazine. It was titled Valley Boys. It was that and a chopped convertible. I know that car I saw at the well, Classic probably six or seven years ago. Well, funny thing about that car, the guy who painted my car and Aaron's car owned that car. Oh, that was his car? He built that car, and apparently within like a matter of months, he sold it to his friend. And that's the guy who primarily got the the, the, the coverage of being the owner of that car. But, but Scott Gildner built that car. And uh, like within a matter of months, I'll put to his buddy. Really? But that's the car. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It's red, it's chopped, it's got a rag top, it's got the BRMs that are painted. I know the car. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one of my that that was one of my most inspiring vehicles, and I always go back to that episode, go back to that issue, and just sit there and stare at that thing and figure one day, man, one day I'm gonna get a car like this, and you know. It was just my starting point. Everything I looked at was like based on that car, like the things I wanted to do, and it was just, you know, it's so awesome to see that car still on the road. Uh huh. So. Um. Yeah, there's it's just it's just it's, it's cool to see that stuff. You know, for me, like I know it's it's crazy, but you know, the you know little things that people brought, like the A thing for those. I don't know if you saw them, but the, the doors. For Red Alert, yeah, that which is a which was that car. It's cool for me only because remember I told you I had the first the first VW Trend that I ever bought. I have it framed actually in my office. That VW Trend, you know, changed my life. But that Red Alert car was in that issue, so it was interesting. Like, oh wow, there's the magazine that started my life. There's the doors for that car. Like, oh, yeah. you know, what a like, what a small world. No, listen. It's it, it's it's awesome to see that stuff and to see that stuff thirty years later. Later, just keeping people going and people building new cars based off the inception of that, uh, you know, of that hobby where they get fired up and start building stuff. So, uh, it's, right, you know, it's I'm thankful for all those cars. I'm thankful for all those cars that were built because they got me inspired to build it. So, yeah, that's a, that, that that's too cool. Well, cool, man. Well, you know what? I I appreciate having you on the podcast. And uh, definitely, when we get some more stuff coming up, feel free to reach out to us and let's get you on to get updates as to what's going on or what what's happening. If anybody wants to go and get uh, the new issue of Volksworld, the October issue of Volksworld that's got uh, Bob's car in it, it's the cover car, so you can't miss that. It's the '56 ragtop on the cover. And ironically, and ironically, the 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 other the, uh, the November issue of Volksworld just hit the newsstands in the UK. And that has all the age product coverage in it too. Nice, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Well, appreciate we appreciate you putting that together and, and inspiring a lot of people to get their cars blow blow the dust off and get them back out on the road. So uh, I totally totally appreciate that. And 
Anything you want to leave us with, Bob, before we uh, no. wrap it up? No. I appreciate you having me on. It's a cool conversation. I'll, you know, we'll chat again if you want. No, I look forward to it, man. You guys can look at him up on Facebook, Bob Daniels, and uh, you can also see the uh, the 80s are back icon, and you guys can uh, – Hit them up on that, and then uh, we'll look for. I look forward to seeing you out here maybe in the next year or so at, at one another one of these car shows. Well, I'll definitely be a proud of next year, so I'll hook you up. Well, I'll hook for, you up. for sure. We'll we'll let's talk dubs. We'll have a booth out there next year, so you'll see us out there and Perfect. come by, stop by the booth, and we'll just uh, ham it up for a few minutes. Sounds good. All right, Bob. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, I hope you guys liked that podcast. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Don't forget, guys, share the podcast with a friend. Click on the link to the podcast in your app. Share it with all your friends, people that don't know about it, the VW community. Make sure you guys share it and go on and like us on our Facebook page and also follow us on Instagram. Um, so shout outs for this week. Uh, a couple people that supported the podcast. We've got uh, Kalani Mack out of Taylorsville, Utah, supported the podcast. Appreciate his support, buying some merch from us, as well as Edward Simon, so from Summersville, South Carolina. So uh, shout out to both of you guys for supporting the podcast. Appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Also, a couple new reviews on our Apple podcast page. And those podcast reviews are from Armchair67. He says it was it was and continues to be a motivator in getting my 67 back on the road. Looking forward to hitting the drag strip with it in a couple of weeks. So that's from uh, Armchair67. And also uh, Tommy B. Smith says, uh, Hey, Bill, my name is Tommy Smith from Austin, Texas, DLK chapter. Kawisi turned me on to the podcast, and it's awesome. We have a YouTube channel, VW Life, that's taken off as we did a build of a 65 for our show this month, the VW Harvest here in Central Texas. Keep up the great interviews. They're going strong. So, guys, make sure you check out VW Life. Uh, they've got a pretty legit YouTube channel with lots of cool stuff on there. So, And maybe we'll get the guys from VW Life here on the podcast. So appreciate the support, guys. Look forward to another podcast next week. Coming up in the next two weeks, I've got uh, I've got Matt Whitesell from 914 Rubber. He was in town for the Vegas Auto Fest, so he'll be coming up soon. And also next week, I'll have Michael Bream with EV West. So all the things you wanted to know about doing an – EV conversion to your VW. It's actually pretty legit. I hope to be able to get down there and do a shop tour at his place and uh, maybe do a little drag race with a 2.6 liter crew cab. If I bring it down for Octo, I promise the listeners that I'll get you a video out of me drag racing an electric bus and seeing how bad he mops the floor with me or if I stand a chance against an EV crew cab. So could be good, could be bad, who knows, but uh, stay tuned. We'll find out. Don't forget, guys, uh, share us with all your VW friends. And tell everybody you know about Let's Talk Dubs. Until next week, guys. Later.